BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's End Zone Podcast with Como Sports Director Nico Tamurian and Naji Moye. Welcome to the Como Sports End Zone Podcast. I'm Nico Tamurian. He's Naji Moye. Naji, how you doing? Nico, what a weekend. I mean, you couldn't have written about, well, at least on Saturday. You couldn't <laughs> you couldn't have written a better script for the game that we saw on Mont Lake. And just, I mean, we're talking about Pacific Northwest college football perfection on that lake. Like, I just, I, I we'll get into it more deeply. But it, it was a crazy weekend, not just for the Huskies, but for the Seahawks as well, for a slightly more sad reason. Um, but I, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to go through it all with you and yeah. you and, and listeners. Of course. Yeah, no, of course. And I think that you talked about you at the nail on the head. There's something about Husky Stadium that no matter how many times you're there, it just doesn't lose that. There's a reason it's called the greatest setting. And when you suddenly get 70 plus people, um, you know, out there rushing the field, all that good stuff. I mean, it just adds to it. And, and it's certainly I've been fortunate enough to do this you know, 16, 17 years now. And I don't think I've seen anything like we saw at Husky stadium. It was special. It was unique. And I just think that when you think about what it meant, beating Oregon arrival, uh, putting yourself on the inside track to the college football playoff, I, you know, it's, it's a huge deal. It's something that if Michael Penix were to win the Heisman, if the Huskies go to the college football playoff, you look at that moment and you say, okay, that's when things, really turned around for this team not so much turned around they were already undefeated but that was like okay we're here to the rest of the country that was the moment yeah to the rest of the country i mean you got abc it's not prime time but it's on abc in the middle of the day on, the, on a pretty big college football weekend the biggest game of the weekend um at college sports uh, on college sports and honestly you i mean i know you mentioned that you were there i was watching the whole the whole entire game from home um because no one came through and got me tickets like i suggested <laughs> but it's okay um and I was beside myself when we play college football video games. And, you know, you have that scenario where you have an instant classic game that you can play through. This is number one. This is probably the best football game, college or pro, honestly, that I've seen in the past two years. I mean, it, it was just it was so dramatic. It was exciting. The rain coming down was fantastic. The crowd, college game day being there and all the all the beautiful shots from Husky Stadium. I mean. It was it was a great representation of what UW has to offer. It's a great representation of what the Huskies as a program has to offer. Seattle as a sports city. Not only that, as you mentioned before, Michael Penix for Heisman. I've said this for the past like three weeks now that he's my favorite to win the Heisman. Yes, Caleb Williams did have not great, not that much of a great game against or uh, um, in the USC game last week. However, Michael Penix. I mean. He's crying on the field to Holly Rowe afterwards, score the game-winning touchdown with about three, with, with about a minute and a half left. Like, you just cannot – you can't write it. And just Purple Rain playing in the background. Oh, <laughs> I, if you can – chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. So much. They're now fifth-ranked Huskies, though. Well, yeah, that's the highest ranking since 2017. And you you nailed it, man. It's 
everything that was surrounding this game. You know, listen, we've seen Mike make moves like that. We've seen Kalen DeBoer now 17 and two as the Huskies head coach really uh, out coach everybody. Numbers, yeah. And, and for what it's worth, he absolutely out coached Dan Lanning in this game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, listen, well, I, I don't, I like an aggressive head coach, yeah. but Dan Lanning was way too aggressive and cost his team the game. You can look at the earlier fourth down conversions when if they just kick those field goals, they have six points, they win the game. Yeah. Or you could look at the the one that really is immediate in our mind. Yeah, but at the 47-yard line, you can punt it and really pin you dub it in the conservatively. Quarter. Exactly. With yeah. less than two minutes to go, roughly, you can conservatively um, – put him at like the 10 yard line you could I'm, instead you give it to him in midfield and that's i mean you give michael panics the ball at midfield well done and, and it's i'm reading you know a lot of articles about dan people are in oregon are asking dan landing about the the call specifically about the fourth quarter call and you have to look at it like i mean they know michael Penix can can throw the ball a billion yards you know you can throw the ball from here to the moon and all the receivers were catching the the catch that michael Pen that um that the receiver made to win the game Mm -hmm. was one of the best catches honestly is it a ball you should have thrown in double coverage who knows who knows but but that's one of the best catches i've seen i think maybe the decision to go for it if i'm speaking for dan lanning was maybe more out of respect for UW and michael Penix and wanting to end the game if you get that first down the game is more or less effectively over but i mean like you said you pin michael Penix deep maybe in his own 20 or own, own 30 and just force him to go the whole length of the field maybe in that case oregon doesn't get the chance to miss that field goal at the end i don't know yeah well you know respect is one thing and i, and I like and i think that's probably more what it was but ultimately it, it cost him the game it's and, not and, something i hey, would have done but i'll tell you what man these guys might re rematch in pac 12 title game theoretically hey i think those are I think we've said since the summer, especially you and I, that the Huskies are a national title and certainly college football playoff contender. But I think Oregon is a college football playoff contender as well. I mean, that's a good football team. Oh, it's very solid. Football and I team. think that it was really telling to me, Paul Feinbaum, and I don't listen to or watch a lot of his stuff, but he's a big guy in the SEC, obviously. Um, and when he's saying it's the Pac-12 that is the conference, the conference this year, you know, it carries a lot more weight because you're talking about the deep South, the cradle of college football in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, maybe longer, I suppose. Definitely longer. And, you know, you're lo looking at it saying, hey, that Pac-12, which will no longer exist next year, um, is the best conference in football. And Washington is that team. Can I ask you a, a favor, Najee? Yeah. Can we watch the end of that game again really quick? Absolutely. We're, we're going to watch it. Absolutely. And I think that um, it's just so fun to watch. Uh, for our listeners, yes, I'm playing not uh, like on the audio podcast. Yes, I'm playing the end of that game again. You know, I was on the field. Um, like I said earlier, there was a point where I'm trying to get from one end of the field to the tunnel where the Huskies do their press conferences, and there were so many students and fans trying to get back in the crowd and get to their seats that I was I literally couldn't move. I was getting claustrophobic. Did you it, lower the shoulder at all, Nico? Uh, a security guard did, there and I go. and I went. They were helping a Huskies player, and I kind of like tagged on the back of the, the oh, security yeah. guard. Oh, yeah. Let them be my lead blockers. If it was an I formation, like there was a Husky player as quarterback. Now, it wasn't Pennix. It was just in theory. The sure. security guard was the fullback, and I was the running back. It's kind of how that worked. There we go. We, we love our blockers, and blocking is important, and also kicking is important as well. Kicking is important. Kicking is so important. <laughs> <laughs> Push that wide right, man, and that's what happens. Um, you yeah. lose the game on that, and it's, you know, it's something that, it was everything in this game. It was absolutely everything. And, you know, um, it has UW at 6-0. It has them at 5-0. And, and to me, 
an odds on favorite to go to the college football playoff. I mean, listen, if you're looking at it right now, there's Oklahoma, Florida state, Georgia, you know, Michigan. Um, so it's not like, Oh, Hey, we're there, but the Huskies have at least three ranked opponents coming down the stretch here. Blessing and a curse, right? Like if you win those games, okay, you have wins over four or five ranked teams, depending on the Pac-12 title game. But if you lose those games, well, suddenly we know what a loss does to you when it comes to college football playoff, depending on the year, uh, one might be bad. Uh, Two could be lethal in that respect. So um, a long way to go, half the season, in fact, to go. But they've done everything they could possibly do so far. I would consider two losses to be catastrophic when you consider how, I mean, that being said, you know, in the heydays of the SEC, as you mentioned, a a two-win team with two good losses, you know, a two-loss team, I'm sorry, with two really good losses within the SEC would be in consideration in a normal year. Right. However, now the Pac-12 and, you know, the Pac-12 does not have the sort of um, history that the SEC did have whenever there were those two, two win, uh, the two win team or two loss team. I'm sorry. Um, that could make it in. But we look at the schedule. Nico mentioned the schedule. I mean, this weekend, uh, the Huskies take on Arizona State and um, the week after they faced Stanford. Stanford did come back and beat Colorado last week, which was that was game, crazy, which yeah. is an insane game. Um, Colorado. This is just the beginning of that of that team. They're going. They're not going to be in the Big Twelve, uh, the Pac twelve next year. But yeah. This is the beginning of that of that. I don't want to call it an experiment. I want to call it an experience. Uh, the prime experience. But then after that, USC did just lose to Notre Dame last week, and we mentioned Caleb uh, Williams. They lost with twenty eight points. If Michael Penix had a Heisman moment, Caleb Williams had the opposite of an Heisman moment. Um, but still, USC is still a ranked team in Utah, uh, Oregon State, and also the Apple Cup at the end of the year. Um, and I know, I know all the Cougs are, have that date circled. Yeah. Double circled, triple circled, and red <laughs> and crimson. To, I mean, they would have, if, if the Huskies went out, they have a chance to play spoiler there. Yeah. Um, and and they'll be the, and, It'd be, you know, the last Apple Cup as two members of the Pac-12. How sad is that? I know. Um, What's going on with the Cougs right now, though, by the way? I I, mean, I, like, I don't know. I mean, that was some tough losses back to back there. And I mean, yeah. one thing to lose to UCLA, who's ranked and a good team, but then have Arizona run you off the field 40 to six in Pullman. 44 points I, in I just, Pullman. Yeah, that's true. I, I just I don't I couldn't believe it. I'm and sh- I think. Yeah, I think that's a. you know what I'm going to call it. What are, you, what are your words? And, and I don't know that it'll translate because of all the conference stuff. We won't be able to get as good of a gauge next year. I'm going to liken it to when the Huskies had back-to-back losses. Now, they were never run off the field like we saw there. Right. But, you know, when they lost to UCLA and Arizona State, um, and then they came back and just rolled from there. I'm not saying Cougs are going to win out or something like that. I still I still think they're like an 8-4 and four team, and I think they'll go to a nice bowl game. But I think this is just part of the growing pains for them with Cam Ward. But it's yeah. jarring when you see a team that beat a top 12 team in Oregon state. They beat a really healthy Wisconsin team. And then they laid an egg. Uh, It's tough to see. Yeah. Laid six points (laughs) and gave up about, and they scored first by the way, which is crazy. Yeah. And they gave about 350 yards through the air. I mean, you just can't win like that, especially if your quarterback is not throwing 350 yards, you know, it's unfortunate. It is. Uh, yeah. it, it is unfortunate, but they, they, they do have a long road and they've got to, you know, they, I, I guess now maybe, the Apple Cup may be their kind of Super Bowl. So Huskies beware, I believe. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think that uh the Apple Cup's gonna be epic. Um but I'll tell you it. this. Yeah. Um gosh, if that team in this final year of the Pac 12 wins the league, one of the original members, 
They win the Pac-12 and they make it this special year, this sign to all of college football. Like, hey, this is the league that should not be going out of business. That would just be so special. Listen, okay, listen, any national title is going to be special. Right. But if you do that, if the Huskies do that, and I think they have a really legitimate chance to not just go to the playoff. Of course, they have a legitimate shot at that, but to win the whole thing. To me, they have been the most impressive team in college football this year. And if they're able to do it, and if they're able to make that kind of statement on their way out, I don't know, Naj, I don't know if you get a special moment and given the current heartbreak of the college football landscape. You know, and you mentioned um, in Como News at 4 earlier this week, you mentioned that even the Huskies, they are ranked 5 right now, but they did get some votes for number 1. Right? Couple people, yeah, a couple I think they should have more. I, I mean, it wasn't me. It was, you know, you can't It wasn't like, me. I get was it, it you, like, Nico? I don't know. Do you no, have a, you don't no. Have a I used to. I don't anymore. Um you know, I, I don't think you could unseat Georgia. They've all they've done is win and they're sure. defending champion. Yeah. Uh, so like based on a vote, but that's also like I had a little bit of a rant about this during Pac-12. You know what? We're gonna call this right now, Najee, because I'm a, I'm mad about this. You're mad. Nico's upset, you guys. We're gonna call this right now. Hang on, I'm gonna bring this up. You got some my work. extra point. Oh, he's going for it. My extra point. He's going. You for know it. what? Go. Wait, what's going on? I'm nervous. I'm nervous in the service, you guys. No, we're gonna stay with the extra. Point. We're gonna stay with the one because we like calculated risks here we're not damn landing unlike damn landing. <laughs> yeah. no what do you what do you got nico i mean you, you preseason oh god oftentimes i've never heard nico say give me a second i need the mic you know just yeah like, this is a promo go ahead talk to him all right thank you preseason polls especially at a conference media day are the stupidest thing i've seen in sports maybe that's a little strong but it's pretty close to the top mm. you're uh, my first example of this would be because we were talking about the rankings just now and thankfully you know the dogs were ranked pretty high to start the season but how crazy is it that a team has to rise up the rankings some arbitrary preseason ranking just because a bunch of people that haven't even seen them play a game yet mm. rank them out of the top 25 a good example of this would have been if the Cougs had a didn't sub their toe if they had the last couple weeks they would have had to start unranked and then rise all the way to number four or whatever it is. Now, listen, I know there's the college football playoff, so that's what's a little bit different about it. Like the uh, the committee that does the rankings every week, it, that'll make it different. But the notion that you have to rise through those rankings based on some preseason thing is stupid. The reason I thought about this ramp is Pac-12 basketball media days were last week. And I was just looking, you know, the, on the men's side, they have, you know, the Huskies and the Cougs pretty low. Mm. And to me, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You've been high on Huskies basketball. I think they're going to be very good. I love the transfers Coach Hop brought in. I don't listen. It's but to that point, Naj, it's impossible to predict exactly what we're going to see because we have not seen all these guys play together. I can tell you the Kentucky transfer Severe Wheeler is a floor general. I love I love any Nate Robinson or IT fan. You're going to love a five nine guard out there, right? Oh, we love it. I mean, IT's taller than that, but you know what I'm saying, like. um, and you get to pair him with his old college teammate at Kentucky, Keon Brooks. And then you bring in a couple other bigs. And you have all these pieces coming in. Wesley Yates, a four-star recruit. You lose Keon Manyfield, who I was a big fan of last year. He's a, he took some NIL offers, it looks like. Um, but he transferred to Arkansas. And so my point is this. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. But how silly is the notion that, well, if, Dogs were picked 11th in the preseason poll, and now they're whatever they're going to be, three or four or one or two. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, right? But how on earth can you make a prediction about a team you have not seen played 
that has six or seven new players. That's a new team. It's an, it's an it's entirely a new team. It's yeah, a very new team. And even if it wasn't an extreme scenario like that, where you have all those transfers coming in notch, like, how do you know the steps that Braxton Mia has taken forward as a center spot? How do you know how healthy Frank Kepnong is? I mean, when those two guys were healthy, this team was a tournament team last year. And then Frank had that season ending injury. My point is this. I love a good list article, a listicle, whatever you a want to listicle. call it. A listicle. Okay. But I'm going to tell like you. Be, you like a, a good ranking. I like yeah. a good ranking. Like I like to, you know, but uh, when you're talking preseason and it's something that carries weight, it's the dumbest thing ever yeah. because how many people out there, and this is where it kind of matters is, you know, recruit out there. Well, I, I don't know if I want to go to WSU. They're picked 11th in the pack 12 or 10th or whatever they are. Right. Dumbest thing ever. Yeah. So dumb. So do you have a solution? Yeah. Stop doing preseason polls. Who cares? Sounds like a good solution. You know what? Right. <laughs> the college football playoff has it right. You know why, Najee? Why? Because they don't do their poll until mid-October when they have enough data. Yeah. To understand where each team lies. You know, and you, you brought up a good point, and I'm going to make an analogy. It's not okay. a, quite a good one um, because it's kind of like the BCS almost worse. Because the thing with the yeah. BCS back in the day is, you know, you have all these teams. They play, they would play essentially a whole season. Right. You know, and then a committee, an arbitrary committee would be like, okay, we've seen these teams play. Schedule, difficulties, difficulty, whatever. We're going to just gonna randomly pick. I didn't like that. Yeah. And they come up with some sort of like legitimize it with some ridiculous computer formula or something (laughs) out of an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, I just don't understand it. You know, I love the college football playoff. And this is also why I love March Madness, though. Right. For the same reason, because you get to see teams play. And I love a one off tournament uh, because when you're out, you're out. That's it. Yeah. Listen, yeah. NCAA tournament. Look at FAU. Yeah. They would have never. Look at all the teams in 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 the final. Last exactly. Year, fact, you know, never would have had a chance to be in a four-team playoff. They made the four-team playoff, oh, though, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And I'll and I'll tell you this. Another thing I noticed so I, before coming to Seattle, my dream job here at mm-hmm. Como, which I do love. Uh, I was I was covering in I was in Syracuse, New York, covering the ACC. Go Orange. And yeah, you know, shout out to Jimmy B. Yeah. And I think that this this disdain for the preseason polls bothered me more back then. It's still the dumbest thing ever. Like I hope the Huskies, for a lot of reasons, finish in the top three in the Pac-12. So we can come back to this conversation, but that was so stupid. But if you look at it back in back east, it was in the ACC, a very Tobacco Road-centric conference Duke, with North four Carolina. schools. Yep, yeah. four schools all in North Carolina. Forest. And I would always remember they'd always have the Northeastern schools that had only entered the league in recent years, Syracuse in 2013 or Boston college in 2003 Pittsburgh, same uh, era in 2013. And they'd always be rated so low. And I just remember thinking like, you guys don't know anything about these other schools. You know, the schools you cover, which is fine, but don't try to tell me you think these other schools are going to finish last. And I remember in particular it was 2018 uh, Syracuse football was picked to finish last in the ACC Atlantic. They finished second only behind Clemson who went on to win the national title. How about that? And they only lost to Clemson on a controversial call by four in death Valley. Oh, um, I remember which that. by the way was the loudest college stadium I've heard until yeah. Saturday at Husky stadium. Husky stadium was Woo! outrageous. You could hear it through the TV. So rant over preseason polls. Dumbest thing ever. Dumbest thing ever. You know, I can't wait for basketball season to get started. You know, um, Huskies basketball, Huskies men basketball plays their first game October 29th yeah. versus St. Martin's. So that'll be fun. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, exhibition. And then I think it, 
one thing about Hop is he, he definitely loads the schedule. Some tough teams in there, some mid majors before you start playing some other big names. Of course, Gonzaga every December. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think that you know the 2020 2021 season was really difficult on everybody, and they had a really rough season. But 21 22, they got to a winning record. They were 500 last year. I think this is that breakout year. Um, and I'd like to say that, you know, I, I think they need a little bit of time. And I, I think this year they're going to take another leap forward. And I, and the new AD, Troy Dannon, I think he just wants to see com- teams compete and have a chance. I like the dogs to, you know, go from 16 and 16 last year to the ballpark of a 20 win season, whether that means the tournament or not. I think that's the marked improvement. I think they will achieve and that will send a message that, okay, they're, they're, they're on the right track and trajectory. We weren't going to talk about UW basketball, but that poll got me on a rant, and, and here we are. He, Nico, it's very rare that Nico's fired up. I do want to mention one thing. It's not really any, anything, but that would make UW maybe put UW in the conversation of um, a basketball and football school like University of Florida, yeah. like North Carolina, um, like Michigan, and like USC. So that could be fun. I mean, that could definitely be fun. I like we, it. we like winning basketball. We like winners here, after all. Um, <laughs> we like winners here. Um, Nico, I'm not sure if you want to talk about the Seahawks right now. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, Let's do it. They did not win, unfortunately. Spoiler alerts, though. Um, if you were listening to the podcast last week, you know that me and Nico, Nico and I, I apologize for that. I don't care. Um, we had some pretty lofty predictions. <laughs> we Hawks. certainly did. We really we? did. We had some lofty predictions for the Hawks game at, at Cincinnati, which is, I wouldn't say a notoriously hard place to play, but anytime you go to Ohio, you'll kind of wish that you weren't there right. anymore. You know? Um, anyone who I know who's lived in Ohio, by the way, has counted down the days of uh when they could leave um so and i think the maybe the seahawks did that you know in both the seahawks losses this year they both scored 13 points that's a good point um i watched a lot of the game and especially in the fourth quarter and i this may say more about the bengals than the the seahawks that defensive line look Geno Smith, I saw at one point, had a cut on his arm. Like he was, he was unwell. He was limping around. He was hit four. He was sacked four times in the game. Sure. You know, um, Nico, what's your take? I just like I, I know the Bengals are good, and I but I just I expected more umph from the Seahawks this. Yeah. This past so time. my take on this, Najee, is um, not ideal, right? Not ideal. Um, Geno was under duress all day. He was hit a bunch running around. Um, yeah. You know, you can't have those two opportunities of goal to go in the final two plus minutes and come away with zero points. I, I like that Pete went for the touchdown. That's not what I'm saying. I, right. I think that was the right call. I loved it. Um, it was different from Dan Lanning because Dan Lanning had the lead yeah. and decided Pete to, was just trying to go win for the game, midfield. You know? Pete yeah. was trying to come back and win the game. And even right. earlier, um, you know, there was so much time to go. I'm talking about Oregon earlier in the game. They could have kicked two goals and either added to the lead or, or made it closer. This was different. Um, you know, you don't know that you're going to get the ball back when you have it uh, fourth and goal at like the, um, you know, whatever it was two ten to go or so. Right. You don't know that you're going to get the ball back. They did because the defense played great all day. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about an offense that's suddenly hitting their stride with Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and you held them in, in check. So here, what I'm trying to say is this, um, 
there's a lot of disappointment. You don't like that the red zone offense didn't come through with anything. You don't like that Gino wasn't protected. You don't like that it looked a lot like that Rams game, at least in the second half. But given that Geno Smith has been so good, the Seahawks have been so clutch. I think this is one of those things that it was like, okay, you ran into a really good team. You played terrible, but you still had a chance to win. Yeah. That's sort of a silver lining. I'm not trying to like sugarcoat it, but I do think it's, it is something to be considered in this. Uh, Overall, you know, when you look at it, I think this is kind of an aberration. I think they'll bounce back. I think they're going to be fine against Arizona Sunday. So now I should hope so. That's what I want to say. So Naj, hot or cold. Do you agree Ooh. with my take? Is is that a is that good or is that like no 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 ice cold on this one? How do, how do you want to how do you want to describe? Do you, do you think that was just a one off? Do you think there are larger concerns here? I have with the I I, I think I think it's a one off. Um, again, they ran up against a really good team at home. It's hard to win on the road in the NFL. First of all, it's also hard to win when your quarterback gets sacked four times and throws two picks. Right. It's very difficult. Um, now I'm looking at the box score here. I'm just kind of grazing as, as one does, you know, on a Monday, you know, if we are in our armchairs and we're just kind of, you know, if you look at the box score, how do you figure like, the numbers you're going to read? Well, is- you know, anytime a quarterback throws 41 times in a game, a Pete Carroll quarterback, you know, this things have gone off the wagon yeah. just a bit, you know, we did have the touchdown by K nine, you know, but we, you would have liked more. And, and, Gino did throw for over 300 yards, but I mean, I, I think this says more about the Bengals defense. I just feel like, and you know, are we going to run into a situation where the Hawks struggle against teams with good defensive lines? Looking at the Rams with Aaron Donald, you know, I mean the the Giants. We this Bengals. I like my Giants defensive line a lot, but this is not the Bengals defensive line. Yeah, or it was not the Bengals defensive line, and it definitely wasn't the Rams defensive line. Um, I think this was apparition. Um, I've never seen anyone happier to play the Cardinals than the Seahawks are right now, probably. And, you know, this would be a good way to get back against a division opponent who only has one loss. That being said, the Cardinals are better than what people think they are, I I believe. Um, they're a very tough team. Josh Dobbs is a great quarterback. I want to say it's an apparition. Um, I, I do like that we did get Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Um, got him more involved. Got him yeah. involved. Um, four catches, better than none. Um <laughs> And you know Metcalf and and Lockett, yeah, they they did you know they were there too. Also DK Metcalf throwing a cornerback down. I just feel like it's every week we just see DK Metcalf try to fight somebody on the field. And wait, wait, okay, hot or cold? You DK's uh, DK's whatever you want to call it aggression, uh, aggression, energy. You hot or cold on that? I'm hot on it because I don't like to see it. You know, if you're a receiver, you know, and you want to be. Ideally, you have a tandem in Seattle. You have Tyler Lockett, you have DK Metcalf. Yeah. Okay. And if more actions like that, I mean, if we, and we've seen DK get into it. This is not the first time. Yeah. I, I mean, we saw it against the Rams. We saw it against the Niners. I feel like every time we play against the Niners, we have DK Metcalf trying to choke somebody, whether or not he is provoked or not. And many times he is. But also, you just have to. Oh, I'm moving my microphone. I'm so far. <laughs> you really have to just take and you're not like a defensive lineman. You don't your whole entire life. Your skill set is not based upon aggression. You need to catch the ball. I know you're lined up one on one against a cornerback uh, cornerback whose name I cannot pronounce right now, but you cannot. I, I mean, what does that do to a fan base? Honestly, when you're just going through Instagram, you're just going through Twitter and you're just like, oh, you just see your, you know, one of your best receivers, one of your best players on your team, just casually just throw a man down. I mean, yeah, were, I mean, like, like this is the thing. I, I, it's not that football is not an aggressive sport. It is, and I love emotion. I love emotion, but you have to be able to rein it in. And yeah. it, and I'm only talking about this because y'all lost. 
<laughs> so <laughs> I mean, and it, it 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 prompts now. These are we love DK's fire and we love DK's you know intensity. I just don't. I just don't. I think it's misplaced sometimes, and I think we all can take a second and we saw look at the rain, look out the window, drink a cup of coffee, and just kind of relax. You know, whatever yeah. he said to you, just know that you can do a lot better than throwing him to the ground. You can catch a touchdown on his head, which you did not do. Uh, yeah, I, I think I love the energy, and I love the he's going to set the tone, and nobody's going to mess with DK. No, that. no, no. But DK's a big guy. No you can't have, you can't have penalties like that that yeah. actually hurt your team and maybe in certain instances impact the outcome of the game. Yeah. I think he's gotten a lot better. But well, we saw the frustration kind of boil through. I mean, you know what's funny? If I'm DK, I'm like, find me. Like, that was a funny hit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, if, if you know, I understand the whole find me thing. If you have money to spend, you have money to spend. If I was an NFL player, this is also, this is me being hypocritical. If I was an NFL player, I would have money set aside to be used for <laughs> fines. Because those, those fines money actually go to good causes. They go to charities and things. So. Um, yeah. So what what do you think? They're gonna beat Arizona Sunday? I hope so. I think the Hawks, I mean, I, I predicted 21-31. I'm sorry, 41-31 against the uh the Bengals last week. Um, if the Hawks give up 31 points to Cardinals next week, I'll be shocked. Um, I think a lot of people will. I think the Hawks will win 27 and 3. 21, yeah. 27 and 3. Yeah. I think it's gonna be in that range. I think like 24-7, something like that. Yeah. Um yeah. I, what I think is um important with this game is that. You know, a team like Arizona, you should win. You're going to be your favorite to win. And I don't think this happens to the Hawks. You know, one thing that stood out to me about Pete Carroll's press conference yesterday is like, we're going to, we're going to get better from this. Like he was so upset without it. It's upset as a Pete Carroll can did, be. Did he throw gum? I, yeah, I didn't see that. He probably did. I'm, you know, in the post game press conference, there was just that raw emotion. Like we're gonna get, yeah. we're gonna be better from this. Well, and, and I believe them. They played a very good Bengals team. This team is not far removed from the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, they have a, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, and their defense really stepped up. This is not a loss to I would like more than one more than one touchdown, but this is not a loss to shake your head on when it means. No, I think that we talked about the schedule last week. I think I still think the Seahawks are a ten or eleven win team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was saying that in the preseason, honestly, I said nine to 11 wins. I don't think that's changed at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that. But but this last win, if this if the Bengals game went differently, could have set the tone. Yes. It could have really just put some distance because the Browns also took surprisingly took care of business against the 49ers last week. Uh, I, I didn't see that coming. So I knew you did. Do, yeah. And you do have the Browns in, in a couple of weeks, Seattle. So what, what stands out to me about it, Nash, is just how frustrating the loss was. Yeah. When you had those opportunities we talked about when. You played about as bad a football as we've seen since the first half of the opener against the Rams. And yet they still had those late opportunities to win. That's what's frustrating about it. Like if they played even, I'm just throwing an arbitrary number out there, 10% better. I think they win this game. I think they're four and one on a four game win streak with maybe three to four games coming up that they're favored in. And not that we, uh, not that that means much because we know the NFL is crazy. Yeah. Um, but then you're talking about something really different and special you got to rack up wins where you can. They, we saw how how close and delicate it was last year. Yeah, and so you, you got to get those wins. And I think that I think they'll get one Sunday. I'm going to say 24 seven, and I'm going to say K nine's going to get two touchdowns. Ooh, and now, now, uh, is this a fan, is this a fantasy football prediction for fantasy football li- listeners? Uh, well, Kenan, two touchdowns. He's had a touchdown in every game since the opener. Oh, I mean, how do you beat that? How about I mean, that? You can. I mean, I think he'll keep going. Can, but- where yeah. this team wants to run. 
And I think that I think that K9 is just he's that guy. He's a perfect Pete Carroll running back. Do you have any words for any Zach Charbonnet fantasy owners? Like I'm me? still keeping him on the bench just because K9 has been injured a decent amount, even in this first year and a half, give or right. take. That's fair. So just I don't start him yet. I mean, he may vulture a touchdown at some point. I don't, but it's very clear that they are comfortable in every way with Kenneth Walker carrying this offense when he can. And I think that he's the guy. And Charbonnet is just that guy if you have the roster space you hang on to just in case something happens to Kenneth because they're not going to change the game plan. They're going to feed it to Charbonnet in that instance. And we've seen flashes of what he can do already in his limited workload. And, uh, you know, I think that anybody who's an RB1 on the Seahawks, and it's going to be K9 unless he's just unable to go, anybody who's an RB1 on the Seahawks is, is a must-start yeah. RB1 kind of thing. I couldn't agree more. And, I, you know, I for people who are kind of like, you know, we – Spent a high pick on this receiver, Jackson Smith Najigba, and we, you know, we they the Hawks found ways to get him the ball more. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of good receivers on this. the Hawks team: Lockett, Metcalf, you know, Bobo. I mean, like this is a quality team, especially on offense. We didn't quite see that this week. I think look for Jackson Smith Najigba to, to get the ball more going forward. I, so I think yeah. so. We're going with two Seahawks wins, two Husky wins. What are we? Is that it? I think so. I think I so. I don't think that I don't think the Cougs beat Oregon on the road. I I I I feel so awful for the Cougs because they have to play Oregon because Oregon is a great team. Yeah, they are a very good team. And I talked ad nauseum, ad nauseum. I'm sure we lost viewers, maybe <laughs> our listeners, listening to me sing the praises of a veteran cultural ball uh, quarterback at uh, who is Bo Nix. Bo yeah. Nix played very well this past weekend on Montlake. He did. He did. He really did. Um, and he also didn't throw a pick like <clears throat> Michael Penix did. However, however, I really believe that the Cougs had their handful against Oregon because I think Oregon still thinks that this conference are they're still in the catbird seat in this conference. I truly believe that um, could be. And, and you know, if we look at we're looking at Washington's schedule ahead, and there's there's ways where things can kind of swing more Oregon's way. This this year is not over. I think it's going to get a lot more spicy. That being said, ah. Cougs Oregon may be a really good game to watch because I think yeah, it'll be, be fun. Cougs are trying to get back. Oregon is also trying to get back. You know, someone has to get back over the other one. You know, yes. So uh, there we have it. There we have it. Um, Penix for Heisman. Still, Penix for Heisman. I think we can almost give him the trophy now. Well, like what, what is happening here? I, I, mean, I think finally he's the front runner. And when I say finally, because finally some voters got to watch him at a three thirty Eastern game. Well, we had he had his moment. We, I mean, that touchdown pass at the end, you know, that was the moment, you know, him getting hit, kind of go do that drive, you know, to to win the game. He was stumbling. You can tell he just wasn't 100%. Um, at the end of the game, he was in tears. He had 22 people watching him. That was amazing. I mean, like, just like great that, guy, that's, too. I mean, he was such a great, I mean, he's such a great guy. And you mentioned to me, Nico, uh, in last week's episode, um, you know, how he opened up to you about what he'd been going. And I just cannot stop thinking about that, you know, and not that being said, Given his whole backstory and, you know, his injury history and just the way he just kind of put the team on his shoulders in that final drive, drive, I mean, against a very, very good Oregon team who, you know, that being said, they did lose two cornerbacks on one play. Oddly enough, I cannot even imagine how that happens. Um, I I would say give him the Heisman and maybe give him a Seahawks jersey next year. Oh, my gosh. That'd be funny. <laughs> that'd be saying, great. I mean, Here's my thing with Mike. And he's been the numbers and the moxie and everything and the, the arm strength, the talent that's been there always. We love to see it. We love to see it. But you need a Heisman moment, and we got one Saturday. I mean, you, you know what? The dogs needed a touchdown to save their season. Penning said, I got this. 
two passes, a touchdown. Yep. Game over. Yep. And that's it. That's the sign of a champion. That's the sign of a winner. That's a sign of a Heisman quarterback. If he doesn't win it, I mean, barring some kind of crazy collapse, uh, not just of the dogs, but Mike, which I cannot even fathom at this point. If he doesn't win it, that'd be the biggest travesty in recent memory in college sports. Going Other than the Pac-12 being basically broken apart by well, TV money. That's a separate travesty altogether. Looking ahead at the Husky schedule really quickly. Yeah, yeah, You mentioned yeah. Arizona State. You mentioned Stanford. I think it's um, real. Then it, <laughs> then it gets, it, as Nico said, it, it does get real. Back in November, or in November, you got USC, <laughs> now Heisman versus Heisman contender, um, part two. I think college game they may make a trip depending on how usc's next couple games go i think college game they may end up in los angeles for that game um because i who knows where huskies are right yeah. at that point you know and caleb williams may be trying to have that you know trying to undo what happened against notre dame this past week after that utah very tough team ask te- texas um then you have oregon state and then there's the apple cup so hey huskies fans I mean, put on your jerseys, grab your hats, grab your helmet, strap them up tight because this is this is Oregon was a great first test, now, instant classic on Mont Lake, but the season is young and is full of terrors. Believe me. Yeah. Yes. Well, Najee, I had a great time with you, my man. It's been fun. Go dogs. Go, go dogs. Michael Penix, go my Michael favorite Penix. quarterback in the game right now. Go Hawks. I'm wearing the Cortez Kennedy throwback. Uh, right I'm going to bring him back. Nico is bringing back the the Sonics per usual. I think. I think. I think by the uh, yeah. And I got GP behind me. I'm gonna figure yeah. out which hand they got here. There we go. There you go. Um, bring back the Sonics. Oh yeah, bring them back. We're gonna hear about it next year. That's my guess. Naj, thanks, man. We'll see everybody next week. You just watched and/or listened to the Como Sports End Zone podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.